Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Wendy is with us from Durban once again today as we mark a quite special anniversary in the world of consumer affairs. It's 10 years tomorrow since the Consumer Protection Act came into effect and we're going to do a bit of a review of how it's going, what's not working, what to do about it if it's not working and then make space for your open line calls later in the show as well. Wendy, great to have you with us as always. Hello, Pippa. Good to be with you. Loud and clear, I hope. Yes, sounding great. Thank you. Let's hope it stays that way. Hard to believe it's a decade already. Uh, a good good opportunity to sort of take stock, Wendy. Absolutely. So when the CPA finally came into force at midnight on March the 31st, 2011, it was hailed, understandably, with great jubilation. South Africa had acquired a world-class gold star piece of consumer protection legislation, and it made us among the best protected consumers in the world. But at the time, uh, many of us were saying enforcement is probably going to be an issue, probably going to be lacking in some respects, and that unfortunately that has proved to be the case. Um, so right from the start, consumers trying to complain to the National Consumer Commission's hotline soon discovered that for most of them, <clears throat> it was a waste of time. I'm summarizing here, but I think that's a fair summary. Okay. Um, they were just not equipped to cope. And the, very soon, within two years, the Consumer Goods and Services Ombudsman was accredited as a, a mediation service to um, handle complaints um, about CPA transgressions as a free service to the public. But still, many consumers now, 10 years on, don't really know where to turn when they feel unfairly treated by a company. Mm -hmm. So just yesterday, on hearing the promo for today's show, Gail emailed me about her experience. She says, I googled extensively to find a contact number for the Consumer Commission. Eventually, I managed to make contact with a very helpful lady who asked me to summarize my concern. She seemed to think my case had validity and gave me two phone numbers for the Consumer Commission. I have called both numbers numerous times, but I just get a voice message response saying that the person at the number is unavailable. Can you please assist me with making contact with someone at the Consumer Commission's office and perhaps advise me who best to speak to? Gosh, 10 so, years in, you would think that that most basic level of communication of, of having somebody answer the phone would be right by now, Wendy. Right, you would think. I mean, and, and for that person, whoever she was, I'm guessing somebody in the um, Department of Trade Industry whatever it's called now, competition, um, would say there's the Consumer Goods and Services Ombudsman. And when I read her actual complaint, it's a business complaint, so the CPA doesn't apply anyway. Okay. So it was just a fail. Oh, yeah. So that I just thought it was, you know, it had just happened. I thought it was a very good example of, of some of the lack of information on both sides, consumers and, and the so-called protectors that's going on. Um, so to stay with the Consumer Goods and, and Services Ombud, I'm just going to call them the Ombud, um, mm -hmm. From now on, as at the end of Feb, um, 979 organizations had signed up with them and paid their participation fees. We're going to talk a bit more about that just now. But the, among those um, almost 1,000 organizations are most of the major retailers, manufacturers, wholesalers, and distributors, but not all. Uh, and that's the issue that we're going to uh, um, talk about. And there is some good news on that. Okay. So the Ombud the is a mediation body. It actually doesn't have the teeth to enforce its recommendations. So if a service provider completely rejects their funding, and it's not likely to be one of them that hasn't um, bothered to sign up and pay their fees, the only thing that the Ombuds Office can do is kick up the case to the National Consumer Commission, and then the commission gets to decide whether they want, want to refer it to the ultimate um, 
a body to, to, to try these cases, the British Commons, and that's the National Consumer Tribunal. And their rulings have the same effect as a, as a, um, a judgment in a court of law. But Does that um, happen you know, quite often, Wendy, or not at all? No. Yeah. A relatively few cases get there, and I've had a few cases that have. I know of two involving dud cars where a fine is levied, and the and the, the dealership is asked to is ordered to refund the consumer what they paid for the car, and you follow up, and it, it just didn't happen. So, really, it's very good um, for, um, for for you know, in the cases of of those companies that want to do the right thing and, um, you know, come to the party when a dispute um, arises, that's great. And it's nice to be able to say, you know, you're breaking the law, actually, and it's not on. But, you know, for those that don't really want to play ball and just don't consider themselves, um, you know, liable to to comply with the Act, uh, it's not going to help their poor victim customers, unfortunately. Well, not in the past, but perhaps to change in the future, because there's actually some very good news uh, for the Consumer Goods and Services Ombud and, of course, for consumers just within the past week or so in the courts in Gauteng. Yeah, so, yeah, very good news. So it was, I think, last Friday, the Gauteng High Court declared that South African businesses must comply with the Ombuds Code of Conduct, which was promulgated six years ago. It ruled in a case between the Ombud and electrical wholesaler Voltex, as well as poultry producer Astral Operations, which are massive, who had argued that it wasn't compulsory for businesses to subscribe to the code and pay the annual fee to the Ombud. Um, fortunately, the court disagreed and has ruled that the Ombud's code is lawful um, and binding on, on all the companies that are that fall under the um, remit of the Consumer Protection Act. So that is, as you say, some good news. Okay, and to help us understand the significance of that ruling a little bit more, I'm delighted to say that we have on the line with us the CEO of the Consumer Goods and Services Ombud, Queen Munyai. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon and welcome to Cape Talk. Thank you so much for having me this afternoon. It's a great pleasure. Can you you please explain to us what significance this court ruling has for uh, the Ombuds Office and its operations? Does it mean effectively that even businesses which previously hadn't recognized the code of conduct and hadn't bothered to pay fees are now legally obliged to do so? Absolutely. Uh, uh, This uh, judgment that was passed uh, kind of confirms the mandate of the office of the CGSO, which, by the way, was already enforced from the uh, promulgation of the code, like what Wendy has said earlier in April 2015. So, because of those other customer, uh, suppliers who were arguing that it's not lawful, we cannot ask uh, for for participation fees, that is when we would then uh, approach the High Court. And this judgment now confirms our mandate. It also confirms that it is lawful that the Ombud scheme has been established. Those suppliers who have not yet sub, uh, subscribed to the CGSO scheme are now uh, under a lot of pressure to do so for the purpose of uh, offering redress to the consumer. Great news. So, Queen, could you explain a little bit how the fee that you ask of those businesses is determined? I'm guessing um, that it's you know, more the bigger the, the business, the higher their turnover, whatever. And um, does 
that fee have anything to do with the number of complaints that you get? Like I know with the banking services ombud, um, the banks pay per complaint. What is the, the payment mm. model within um, the CGSO? Okay, the, our funding model as the CGSO is determined by the board as per the Consumer Goods and Services Industry Code. And it does say that the board can declare a structure. And currently the structure which is in force is calculated based on the it's uh, based on the turnover that the participant or the okay. generates per annum, not per per per, per uh, okay. complaint dealt with. No. Okay. Now, if it's based on turnover and this court ruling means that there's massive pressure on everyone to start subscribing and paying those membership fees, Queen, does that mean your coffers are about to see uh, an influx of additional funding? And if yes, what's that going to mean for your ability to provide service to consumers? Yes, uh, it will uh, result in more and more because we do have, we know of other suppliers who are delaying to subscribe saying that they are waiting for the outcome of the declarator. So now that the judgment is out, there is pressure, as I said, that they need to, sub- to, to subscribe and also declare their uh, annual turnover and pay their dues. But that for us, I think it means that we continue to offer that dispute resolution, alternative dispute resolution scheme to to uh, resolve complaints between suppliers and consumers. But also currently the organization only has less than 30 full-time staff to deal with. Since inception, we have already dealt with more than 50,000 complaints. Wow. So you can imagine how much pressure we are in. So that will result in us having enough resources to be able to continue with our mandate. That's very good news indeed. One last question. I mean, does this ruling give you any additional sort of um, teeth to enforce rulings? Uh, Wendy's mentioned previously that if a company disagreed with the Ombuds decision, you had to refer the case up to the National Consumer Commission. Is that sort of structure going to be affected at all by this court judgment? No, it doesn't affect that. It just enforces that, that we can still approach uh, we can approach the court, the National Consumer Tribunal, in case where we are not able to resolve, as we do not have uh, adjudication rights. So we do give recommendations, and where the mediation fails, we then refer the consumer to approach the National Consumer Commission or the National Consumer Tribunal. Thank you so okay. much. Wendy, anything else you'd like to ask, Queen, before we say goodbye? No, I think she's covered all the main points. Thank you very much, Queen. And I, I look forward to hearing about how many new um, mm-hmm. uh, complaints handlers you're able to employ. I think that's wonderful news because you're going to be able to get through so many more cases Absolutely. than you currently are. So in that respect, definitely great news for the consumer and also elevating the status, I think, um, and the image of the CGO's office in the eyes of everyone, um, including, I hope, the the service providers. Um, so I'm hoping that um, decreases the percentage of those who go, ah, you know, we're not we're not abiding by that. We don't agree with you. And as you know, Queen, I've had uh, a few of those mm-hmm. um, cases. So I, I'm really looking forward. I'm hoping that this is a really positive move and really good timing with the 10-year anniversary just upon us right now. Absolutely. I think it, it, just, uh, it came right in time. And we believe that although there's still a lot 
from the implementation perspective, as far as the, the CPA is concerned, we mm-hmm. will continue to uh, offer our or deliver on our mandate, and we believe that the DTI uh, regulatory impact assessment will also uh, highlight the areas of improvement, which we are also in the process of doing internally with the fit for purpose exercise that we've just finalized now. We then also uh, confirm that we are doing well and we can improve through in leveraging the technology to increase our efficiency. So we look forward to continue uh, delivering on our mandate. Queen Monyai, thank you Excellent. so much for joining us. Uh, CEO of the Consumer Goods and Services Ombud, appreciate your time this afternoon. And yeah, Wendy, fingers crossed. Uh, imagine uh, if they're able to channel that additional funding into a whole draft of new uh, new caseworkers. You can follow up on the, the backlog. It would be fantastic. Yeah, and as well as she said, she alluded to their improving, you know, getting new technology to, ha- to enable them to handle more cases. Yeah. I, I think it's a really positive um development and I look forward to reporting back on it in a, in a few months time. Okay. Now, as we've re- mentioned and as she's referenced there, um, implementation and enforcement, one of the challenges of the CPA. But Wendy, the act itself has been something that's been very useful for you personally to have in your arsenal when you're responding to consumer complaints. Absolutely. So um, we, we, no matter the size of the company, um, but, a spe- but it's particularly helpful um, in the case of those companies against which I've had a complaint that value their um, their reputation, that do a lot of marketing, you know, that are on all the social media and really want to be seen as, as being customer-friendly, consumer-friendly. So if I have a dispute or a case, an alleged transgression of some kind where they've treated the, the consumer badly um, or illegally um, mm-hmm. in the case of the CPA where they haven't complied, it's, so it's it's been very hand, handy for me to say, actually, you know, cut and paste the relevant section of the Act. You are not your policies are not in keeping with the Act, and it just you know it's given me more power to um, to get justice for the consumer because they really don't want to be seen to be acting illegally. It's yeah. really not part of the the. the um, their reputation or their image that they that they want out there. So that, so it has. I've used, I use it all day, every day, Pippa. Um, and I was a consumer journalist for a number of years, uh, probably 11 or so, before the CPA came out. And it made a world of difference to my efficacy okay. um, as, a, as a journalist. So, so yes, it's, 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 it's a, it has been a great tool. That's great to hear. But having said that, there are still plenty, unfortunately, of companies and industries who play very fast and loose with the conditions of the CPA when it suits them, Wendy. And it might be helpful to take a look at a couple of examples today. Of course. So we spoke a few weeks ago on air and off air, Pippa, about um, fixed term contracts because you have a, a personal experience with this. So the Act requires service providers who sign their customers up to fixed-term contracts. So that would be um, a cell phone contract, a gym contract, a private security company contract, for example. Those are the big three. Um, But they must notify them 40 to 80 days before the end of the initial period and spell out their options. Because what a lot of people still 10 years on don't realize, and it's not surprising because there's a lack of disclosure, is that if you have a gym contract or cell phone contract and it's you signed it up for two years and the two years ended March 2021. It doesn't just stop at the end of March. Your debit order doesn't just get cancelled. Mm. Uh, unless you actually, uh, if you don't want to renew, unless you cancel in writing um, with a month's notice, so unless you cancel at the end of Feb, your, your your contract wouldn't just end. Your Your liability to service that contract wouldn't just end at the end of this month 
today, it would you would then have another debit order for April and May and so on until you actually uh, cancelled with a month's notice. So by the time you cancelled, it's still another month yeah. on. Um, and that's the reason why the Act said you have to notify. You can't just let them, you know, be unaware and let this thing roll over without them wanting to. Um, and uh, the reason, well, they initially, the Act the bill said it would, and I actually wrote stories saying, no more sneaky rollovers, your contract ends on the end date, done. Mm-hmm. And then the cell phone industry said, oh, no, but consumers won't realize that their contracts are but you know, ending, they might be in an emergency situation and not be able to make a call or somebody in a home might press the panic in a home invasion and then, you know, the contract's ended and what then? So that's where this rollover, unless you cancel, thing came in. Okay. Um, but, but um, yeah, those notifications in the case of the cell phone companies in particular have become more, they've become dressed up as marketing messages. Yeah. And I think... Um, we're going to go into some more details after <laughs> the headlines and just how sneaky that can be. We're absolutely going to do so um, because we're going to be talking about the way it is phrased in their communication and what's being left out or uh, hidden in very tiny print at the bottom of those emails. I've got an eye on the clock and I think what we're going to do is break for the news and then come back to talking about uh, the fixed term contract rollovers and just a reminder that if you want to raise other issues around CPA and uh, its, uh, its implications and its implementation you are very welcome to call us on 0214460567 or to communicate with us via an SMS to 31567 or a voice note to 0725671567. This is what we're going to do after the news. Wendy is going to read to you the uh, kind of communication which the cell phone networks say they are sending to their customers when alerting them to the contract coming to an end. And I want to hear from those of you who've been through the process quite recently whether you ever received anything like that because I know in my personal case what I got versus what they said they're sending is something completely different and uh, with with quite interesting (laughs) ramifications which we'll explain after the news headlines but I'm a a sample of one and I'd love to hear from anybody else who's been through the process within the last month couple of months um, whether you received this kind of messaging uh, which they say they are doing Um, so we continue to talk about the 10 year anniversary of the Consumer Protection Act and your rights uh, as contained therein Call 021-446-0567. Okay, so back to the 10-year anniversary of the CPA and to talking about uh, some of the clauses that are often ignored in that act. And one of them is this question of fixed-term contracts and the kind of notification that the companies are supposed to give their customers when they are approaching the end of those contracts. Wendy, those messages are supposed to warn the, um, warn the customers that the contract is coming to an end and what their options are and what the possible financial ramifications are associated with the end of that contract and what happens if they don't cancel it in time. Now, you reached out to a couple of them, asked them to actually send you some samples of the kind I of wording did. that they use. Yes, so bearing in mind, you, you can't cherry pick from legislation. You've got to comply with it all, right? And so one of the things that that section 14 of the CPA says about that notification 40 to 80 days before the contract expires, in inverted commas, is um, that uh, it needs to tell that they need there needs to be um, a, a um, notification that it will continue on a month-to-month basis unless the consumer expressly directs the supplier to terminate the agreement on the expiry date or agrees to a renewal. So it's it's both. You either renew or you or you um, 
you, you actively terminate. You don't assume it's going to end on its own. You actively terminate. And it must be in writing or some other recordable form. Mm-hmm. And that's quite important in your case, yeah. Papa. Um, so... Okay, so, um, yeah, okay, well, first, before I tell you what, what I received from MTN around my cell phone contract, tell us what MTN told you okay. they are sending their customers. Okay, so, um, this is what MTN said. When a customer has a contract with MTN and the contract is approaching its expiry date, the customer needs to be informed beforehand that any promo, data, or voice bundles within their contract will be cancelled and the contract will be carried over as a month to month. Example of the wording, yellow, you're ready to upgrade. If you don't, this contract will change from this amount to this amount on a month-to-month basis. Promos will also expire. Um, Another header, you're ready for an upgrade. Yellow, your contract is ready to upgrade. Call 135 or visit your nearest MTN store. If you don't upgrade, this contract will change to a month-to-month term. Um, On this particular day, promo bundles will expire and your contract will change from. So they've, they've left out the part about you have to cancel. Mm. You actively have to cancel. And that is a part that most consumers, not most, but a huge number of consumers don't get. So they end up paying, even if it's just for a month or two, they end up paying longer than they wanted to mm. because they, they're thinking, okay, I'm not upgrading. The, co- the, 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 the contract ends on this date, let's say March 31, today, and that's it. And suddenly there's a debit order in April. But hello, you didn't cancel. Now you're a month into now you're in for May as well because you've still got to get you know, you still got to yeah. give your one month notice. So anyway, um Okay, so what, yeah, sorry, if I can interrupt, what was very interesting to me reading the, the that that sort of sample text that they sent you, Wendy, because here I am, I'm an MTM customer whose contract ends this coming Monday, and that is not the kind of communication that I received. And after I saw your draft notes this morning, I went back into my email files at home and I checked all of the messages that I've been receiving for several months now. Not one of them. Not one of them has said to me anything about possible changes in charges, about anything that is going to expire. All I have is a series of emails telling me how lucky I am that I'm eligible for an upgrade. And this is how you can access that upgrade. And let me tell you, yeah, let's talk okay. about that, that industry word upgrade. It's such a sneaky word. It's not an upgrade. Upgrade sounds like something fun and sort of a little bit free, like you get upgraded to, to business class on a flat, right? Yeah. It's not an upgrade. It's a whole new contract that you're tying yourself in for another two or three years, depending how expensive the phone that's coming with your contract is. It's not an upgrade. It's not at all an upgrade. And I've been irritated by that term for 10 yeah. years but or more how long but anyway so let, we'll, we'll call it an upgrade because that's what most people have been brainwashed into thinking by the industry yeah. into calling it yeah okay right. so wait Sorry. for it after receiving this flurry of emails telling me about my lucky upgrade that was waiting for me wendy i then put on my wendy nola hat and sent them an email <laughs> in writing saying i do not intend to renew this contract i wish to terminate my relationship with mtn on the final day of the contract I asked them to please confirm receipt of that instruction and to let me know if there were any additional steps I had to follow in order to cancel the contract and port my number with me to another network. And the response I got was that from them, thank you for getting in touch with our retentions team. Uh, please find uh, above the reference number, which has been created to ensure uh, ease when following up on your query. Our team is online Monday to Friday, 8 to 5. We typically respond within 24 hours. While you wait, and why not take a look at these amazing Black Friday deals on offer? One of our retention consultants can help you upgrade. Then a big sort of graphic um, advert and entirely text 
underneath mm. that huge advert in small text was the, the line, please note that you cannot cancel via email. And if you wish to cancel your current contract, you will need to call our call center on 135, which I have tried doing. And you will sit on hold for about 40 minutes. And two out of three cases I got uh, cut off. And in the final attempt, I did get through. But Wendy, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's very sneaky. It's, it's hiding that, that communication around what is required is. to cancel. And, and it's forcing you into a, a telephonic conversation, not something written that gives you, um, uh, yeah, that too. But, you well, know, I, I was asking for confirmation of receipt, and yes. you don't get that no. with that phone call. So, on that note, I mean, it's not – the Act gives you the right to cancel in writing. It's not It's not okay for them to say um, you, you have to do it in another way. Um, it says – the Act says the consumer must give one month's notice in writing or some other recordable form. A service provider cannot dictate that you may not do it in writing. Absolutely okay. not. I actually need to go separate back to them and, and and call them out on that one. So you certainly, if this had to go to the CGSO, the, the Consumer Goods and Services Ombud, they would certainly side with you. I almost, almost certain they would mm-hmm. because the act is on your side there. And also, you know, it's easy. You have a record then, then you've done it. Exactly. If you phone 135, You've got to, unless you 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 ticky, tick savvy enough to record that conversation, you then have got to allow them to give you the call recording. And we all know <laughs> various examples talked about on this show yeah. that it, when it comes to the cell phone service providers, it's it's often not that easy, and they make you go into a store and all sorts of you know awkward things and to access things yeah. to access that. So so that's not okay. I had a personal example just. to just now that I think of it, I've just cancelled, uh, paid off a home loan, um, and um, I got a notification from my bank saying, this is a conferred, your loan is settled. If you'd like to um, have it cancelled, it must be formally cancelled, uh, you phone an 0861 number. Mm. You, the, the, the email address is a no reply. This is how obstructionist companies can be. It's a no reply. So I can't just do that. It's the easiest way to do it, right? It's all in one thread, done. No, I must phone 0861. I did throw my toys a lot. And I said, that is just not okay. Yeah. <laughs> that is not okay to make me jump through that hoop. And so it's not uncommon. And I just think they need to have another little read of the emission statement mm. about how much they love us as their customers and value us. And then just look if there's a misalignment there in some of their actual procedures. The frustrating thing for me, Wendy, is I know it's not going to be any different with any other network. I've got to be honest. No. I mean, and here, here is the proof. Leslie WhatsApping to say, same with Telcom, no notification received. It took me four months to sort it out and cancel after the contract had expired. Their call center, their online chat, Facebook, Twitter, tried them all. Pathetic response. And they have two months notice, says Leslie. Um, you also reached people. out to, to Vodacom, didn't you, Wendy? And, and, and got a very similarly wishy-washy response from them. Yeah, in line with the CPA, Vodacom notifies its customers when their contracts are about to expire. We send an SMS notification three months prior to the contract maturity date. In particular, customers with 24-month and 36-month contracts are notified six months before and again three months before um, the contract expires. The point is, what is that notification saying? Yeah. Um, so, um, should consumers not inform us of their choice, be it to upgrade or cancel, the original contract will lapse and continue. We know this. So, I said... I want to see a sample, please. So I got several, 
And um, not one of them mentioned the need to cancel in writing with a month's notice. Otherwise, it will continue in a month's about that specific thing. And that is what consumers really need to know because we think of a contract term expiring. It's, an, it's a natural thing unless you've been informed otherwise very explicitly. It's a natural thing to assume it's expired. It's finished. It's mm. over. My obligation is over. My debit order, my last debit order for March is done. April, I'm free. But actually, you're not. You're not. So they, yeah. they, they, in my view... Um, that really needs tightening up. But, I mean, they are very much, I have to say, sorry, cell phone companies. I have very nice contacts with all, with them, but, you know, they are pretty much, they ma- they're massive, they're powerful, and they pretty much do what they want. You used the word I obstructionist, mean, and I, I really, I, 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 that resonated very strongly with me, Wendy, because it felt to me like they are making it as difficult as possible for you to cancel, knowing that there are hidden obstructions in your way they're not going to go out of their way to point them out to to you uh, which I guess you can understand which means Wendy it's it's clearly up to us to arm ourselves with knowledge of what we are entitled to expect which is the whole purpose of having this conversation today about the CPA so maybe let's flip from from complaining about those who are not doing it right to talking about what the key things are that you would like our listeners to be aware of yes because I mean people google the problem and find me and then email me and say that, uh, you know, this is, the company did this to me. And I'm, I, I want to say, but why didn't you Google before you gave them their business? So mm. this is, you need to know your rights and check that a company complies with the laws before you do business with them. So know um, that if a product develops a defect within six months of purchase, you can return it for your choice of a refund, replacement or repair. Um, and that's if you're buying in a shop. If you bought it online, you don't, it doesn't have to be defective. You get to change your mind within seven days of delivery. For, for You don't have to supply a reason. You just send it back for a refund. So many online retailers are not doing that. Newcomers to the party, so yeah. please check their returns policies. Go into their, into their websites. Make sure you know how they're going to treat you if something goes wrong. And believe me, things go wrong a lot. Um, so don't assume they're all doing it right like the big yeah. guys. Uh, the take a lot, runway sales, etc. Um Know that a prepaid voucher must be valid for three years. So if you buy a spa voucher for your mother on Mother's Day and it says it's valid for six months, don't either get them to change it and sign next to it or go somewhere else. Three years. Um, airtime and data vouchers are excluded because, as we've said, the cell phone company industries you know, pretty much go their own way on these things and find a legal <laughs> way to justify it. Know that if a product develops a defect within six months, the supplier cannot insist that you have the box that it came in. You have the right to your choice of the, those three R's, refund, replacement, or repair, without the box. The only little PS to that is that from month seven, the supplier's warranty kicks in. And at that point, they get to say what the terms and conditions are. And they all say you need it to be in, in the, the original packaging. So, sorry to say, you <laughs> you have to keep the box if you want some recourse after month seven. And so, yeah, I think bottom line is just find out what the company's policies are. Don't assume. I was quite surprised to see this week, it was out of a, something that I was tagged on in Twitter, that um, Diskem's website carries this we make no representations whatsoever and give no guarantees against latent or patent defects in respect of the products and all the conditions and warranties whatsoever whether implied or otherwise are hereby expressly excluded liability we shall not incur any liability of whatever nature arising in contract or delict from any injury loss or damage to any person or property arising from the use of the products that's not what the cpa says so 
they, you know, I need to take that up. But you yeah, know, that's a big the, brand. The, that's that's at odds with what the brand. law of the land says. Yeah, and let's not beating it wrong. But I read through the whole thing, and there's certainly there was no distinction made between defective and non-defective the products. And this, what I've just read out, is, is specifically around defects. Um, it's not saying you know it's only for the first six months. After that, you're on your on your own. None of that. So I need to take that up. But there'll be many others that if you just take the time to go into the you know, seek out their terms and conditions, you will find um, clauses in there that may as well have been there, you know, pre-CPA. Nothing's changed. And we've yeah. had the CPA for, for 10 years, as we keep saying. Big and small. Wendy, um, I, I was looking over the weekend. Uh, my daughter's birthday is coming up and I spotted a site advertised on Facebook that's offering very cute looking cell phone covers. And it's an online mm-hmm. retailer, small, small operation. So I, I had Wendy Nola in my ear saying, go and look them up and check and read. And sure enough, <laughs> we do not do refunds. End of story. Mm. Those that was in, in, in their in their terms and conditions, and that was an online supplier who should be offering the Absolutely. option of a refund, even for a change of heart. Uh, especially now, there's so many people that have just gone into the online space. I had a conversation with the uh, one of those operators just pr- before coming on air, but mm-hmm. based in Umschlanga. Somebody bought a two thousand rand, two thousand three hundred rand pair of sneakers off her site, and she spelled two words in the site wrong. And I don't think in, uh, in her name, I don't think it was intentional. Red flag. And I said, "This is the complaint, and you apparently don't do refunds." No, I don't. So I said, um, "You are aware of the Consumer Protection Act." Phone went down. Oi. So Yikes. choose your choose your suppliers very carefully. Okay, so arm yourself with knowledge and share this podcast with others, please, uh, because the big brands are not necessarily going to look out for you. The little brands are not necessarily going to look out for you uh, and ensure that they're keeping uh, what the CPA promises you. Uh, it's up to you to know your own rights, very importantly. Uh, okay, Wendy, the, the, my screen is now full of uh, cell phone <laughs> complaints of people who've had the same problem with voice contracts, with data contracts. It's across the different suppliers as well. This is clearly an ongoing big problem in the cell phone industry that they don't want you obviously to contract uh, to cancel that contract so they make it as difficult no. as possible for you to do so hence yeah hence the retentions department yeah honestly. Not the cancellations department okay yeah. deep breaths all round okay well i'll keep you posted and let you know what happens on monday <laughs> when Please. my contract does actually come to an end on that one cape talk consumer talk whatsapp on 072-567-1567. Hi there, uh, just a little workaround that sometimes seems to work is when you want to cancel a contract is to send through your cancellation request to the um, email addresses or whatever is provided um, and all make the call or whatever you need to and then um, go on to their social media page a reasonable time afterwards maybe a day and either on their Facebook or on their Twitter open a direct message with one of the customer consultants there and say that you have done this but you haven't heard a response I've done this before mm-hmm. and it, it somehow um, gets it into the Okay, thank you very much. Yeah, uh, I've tried that and what I got was a very copy and paste sort of uh, feedback that didn't really address the question, but maybe it works in some cases depending on who you get hold of. So thank you for that uh, piece of advice. Yeah. And it's another um, 
form of proof that you have um, complied with yeah. your uh, with your requirement to cancel in writing. Yeah. Okay, thanks. I just want to move away from the phones specifically for a, for a few minutes to take a couple of other um, uh, questions that we're not spending too much time complaining about how awful the phone companies are, um, uh, as awful as they are. Pedri, in Tableview, you've got a question you'd like to raise with Wendy, I believe. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, so last year, um, with the start of lockdown, I ended up losing my job. Um, one of the first things I did, I called around all the people that I'm, the bank and so forth, to raise to make arrangements with them around payment that I will not be able to make full payment, but I will at least be able to pay something. Um, I made a call to Mr. Price. Mr. Price had no problem with it. And every single month I would get a call from Mr. Price. They would ask me, are you still? I would say yes. Um, we would reset a new arrangement and that's no problem. So it came beginning of, this, uh, of uh, March this year and I got a, first I got a message from them told, told me that I've got until the 31st of this month to make sure that my account is fully paid up or they are going to take legal action against me. Although I've not missed one month of payment, I might not have been able to pay the full amount, but I have made payment. Um, after that, I get daily SMSs. I've received emails from them telling me that I have to do full payment by the end of this month or they are taking legal action against me. What is my right in that regard? Um, a little bit of a tricky one, that, because legally they are entitled to... Um, seek payment from you, whatever your circumstances are. I mean, even when people die, the, the, the surviving family says, well, we, we need this claim from the estate unless you've got um, credit life cover, mm-hmm. um, which is a very good thing to have, by the way. Um, so, but the thing is, if you have some form of proof of the arrangement that you made um, in terms of how they were cutting you some slack, given your unexpected and certainly COVID-related um, loss of income, um, and they've now gone against that. I mean, if they didn't say to you while you were making payment every month, if they didn't say, look, we're, we're cutting you the stack until the end of March 2021, but from that date, we're going to you know, start, start expecting full payment or whatever, um, failing which will take legal action. Um, if you always knew that those were the conditions, um, then they, they, I, I think they could make the case that they haven't acted um, unethically in any way. But if this was something that came out of the blue while you felt that you were um, keeping up your end of the um, of the new arrangement, the payment arrangement. So it's not unusual to make a payment arrangement yeah. that takes into account your changed circumstances. But if you if you don't stick, I always tell people I often mediate these things. And if you if you're unable to, st- if you don't think you're going to be able to stick to it, then don't do it because they'll come after you hard if you don't stick to that new arrangement. So I don't know if that's what happened in your case, but if you have proof that, that you were sticking to the arrangement you made with, with them and then they suddenly hit you with this, okay, we've had enough, we want all our money or we're going to take legal action, then that wouldn't be that wouldn't be okay. Then I think you'd have a, a case to argue that they're not acting ethically. Thanks very much. Uh, Pedri, I hope that uh, that's hopeful, helpful advice for you to take that matter forward and good luck to you. Wendy, two people asking questions about particular sites or services uh, and whether they are legit or still in business. Uh, Carol messaged during our car segment with Chiro earlier to say she has bought a car service policy with MotorServe for 20,000 Rand and she's been trying to claim her last service and just cannot get a response. They have gone quiet. Have you heard no, anything um, about them being in any kind of difficulty or 
I yeah. have it. That's quite a big company, so that surprises me. I'll make a note to do some research, but sorry, I'm right sitting here now. I can't say that I have any information about them at all, um, and it's too too late in the day or too late in this COVID story for them to say, you know, we're adjusting to working from home and we don't have the same capacity because yeah. for a year on, they needed to have um, sorted that game. out, so… But I'll certainly do a, I'll do some sleuthing there and see what I can find. If um, you'd like to send me an email with your case, uh, then have an example to to, to take up them. with them and 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 uh, certainly get them to to look at the claim. Carol, so please just pop an email through to Wendy with your policy number and the details of the claim that you've been trying to submit and sort of, you know, when, what phone calls you've made, when, what emails you've sent, etc. Uh, you can send that in a single email, please, to consumer at nola.co.za, K-N-O-W-L-E-R. Um, two more in a similar vein. Uh, Colleen asking if one day only is legal. She said she's concerned that it might be. She asked, does it fall under false advertising? They advertise products at 40% off, but in fact, it's not really 40% off because the online price, prices have been inflated by 40% and then discounted back to the average retail selling price. Uh-huh. Is that legal? I certainly get a lot of that, as you'll know, Pippa, mm. around Black Friday. Um, and that's the thing that happens globally. People who track the prices can say, hey, you know, and they work off what the original list price was yes. which from the supplier, but it never was that in reality. So there's there's a quite a lot of sort of fudging that goes on there. Um, but what I would do, and to force the um, supplier, to, to force the SAT to um, account for themselves in that respect is to lodge a complaint with the Advertising Regulatory Board. They're a very efficient organization. So you would just, um, it's very easy to do. Um, you go into their website and how you, there's the form and everything there. Mm-hmm. And um, you, they would want you to substantiate your complaint. So you'd have to um, say why this isn't actually 40% off because this and this and just give them as much doc- documentary evidence as you can. And um yeah, you, uh, I'd love to be copied on that and then follow up to see how that case is handled. It's, there's an, it's a no-cost thing and, and a lot of journalists report on those findings and there would be a lot of interest in the in a finding um, to do with a, with an, a, a major online retail site. Okay, so Colleen, Advertising Regulatory Board, your first port of call with that one. Thanks for, for the query. Okay, very quickly, Wendy, Jenny mailed us during the week, very uh, upset about the shrinkage in the size of cream cheese. She says it used to be 250 grams a tub. It's now down to 230 grams. And as a frequent cheesecake baker, she is outraged that this happened without any notifying of the public. Wendy, I know shrinkflation, as you like to call it, is one of your favorite topics. Yes, yes. So it's not, and they don't have to, they're not legally obliged to issue a notification, take it on advert or anything else. All they have to do by law is accurately reflect the, um, the weight or the volume of the product on the pack. Um, so I did, a, I remember this reminded me of quite a few years ago, the um, condensed milk tins yes. were, were subject to shrinkflation and so many bakers, dessert makers got a hold of me and said, this is totally messed with all my recipes <laughs> because now you've got to, it's just a little bit less, but now you've either got to do extreme mathematics to get everything else in proportion or you've got to buy two tins and, and have leftovers. Like waste. Yeah. It's a waste of money, exactly. So with a cream cheese, um, it's slightly better news um, because I did a bit of research, um, not by, by, by foot, I, I went online. So there are still um, tubs or bricks of 250 gram cream cheese on the market. Most of the 
medium fat cream cheese is now gone into a, a 230 gram tub that would be lanced with um, Parmalat, I think President as well. Um, be very aware of the Crystal Valley, that's, um, if I'm not mistaken, that's a Checkers, Checkers yes. only brand. Um, they've got 175 grams of medium fat cheese and the tub, I'm guessing, will look pretty much the same as the others. So don't think you're getting a bargain. You always compare the, the unit price, the per gram yeah. price, um, and, and that will really mess with the recipe, 175 grams Absolutely. if you're making cheesecake. Um, and then the bricks. Um, if you want um, a 250 gram, you've mostly got to go for a bricks, and those are full cream. So there's a spa does one, Philadelphia, of course, Lancewood does a full fat brick, but Woolworths still has a 250 gram tub of medium fat uh, cream cheese. So if that's what you're after, the medium fat cream cheese, and you want 250 grams, not 230, Woolies has that. Otherwise, you, you if you want 250, you have to go for one of the bricks, which is a much fuller fat content, which maybe you want, is, is what you want if you're making cheese, uh, yeah, cheesecake. Thanks for the heads up on behalf of everybody who was planning on making cheesecake <laughs> for the Easter meal, Wendy. Thank you so much, and thanks, Jenny, for flagging it. That's where we must say goodbye, Wendy. Uh, thanks, as always. Uh, thanks for helping us keep abreast of 10 years of the Consumer Protection Act and many more to come, and we'll chat again next Wednesday. Thank you. In studio at last. Look forward to having you back with us safely in Cape Town. Wendy Nola, a reminder, her email address is consumer at nola.co.za.